Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Portfolio Perspective, where we interview CEOs of portfolio companies and hear their stories of how they built their business and worked with private equity. Today, we're interviewing Saurabh Sinha, founder and CEO of Emids Technologies, focused on using technology and software to improve healthcare. I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital. Saurabh, you're the founder and CEO of Emids, a leader in digital engineering and transformation solutions to the healthcare industry. I'd love to hear your story of how you founded this business and ultimately transformed it to the business it is today. You know, when I started Emids, the idea was uh, to do something phenomenal in uh, software engineering. That that has been my discipline um, of my career. So I started the business to be a software engineering services business. Uh, and like with any business, one has to really listen to the market and understand where the need is, where the demand is. Um, and so we did We did that and, and concluded pretty early that uh, software engineering services by themselves um, were of some value, but software engineering services focused on a particular industry were of much higher value because when you intersect an industry with technology, that's where innovation happens and that's where breakthrough productivity is achieved. So uh, so we took our software engineering capability and uh, focused it on, on healthcare and life sciences as an industry uh, because we saw that healthcare was largely underserved in terms of software engineering services. We felt that it would need to really transform itself as an industry as far as technology adoption is concerned at some point. Um, and so we said, let's just let's just invest in that domain of healthcare. Emids is really focused on digital solutions and bringing innovation to healthcare. Can you give me an example of a project that enabled healthcare providers within the greater healthcare ecosystem to improve care? Years ago, one of the largest skilled nursing facilities uh, in U.S. took the decision that they didn't like any of the software products available. To them in the market and uh, came to us to develop a electronic medical record software for them. And uh, a clear charter was that it should be highly user-friendly and highly efficient uh, for caregivers. So we really put in all our engineering domain and user interface expertise and uh, delivered a product to them which was uh, really, really intuitive to use um, and, and very effective. The best uh, feedback we got from their caregivers was that those caregivers were able to spend much more time with the patient because of this software. Uh, their administrative overheads, the burden of using technology had come down considerably because we had designed the software in a manner that it was highly user-friendly, very intuitive for caregivers, uh, and very efficient. So, uh, you know, that, and th- this happened fairly uh, many years ago, and that really gave us more confidence that we truly can help caregivers in this industry who are the, who are, you know, the front line of care delivery and can have a big impact on, on patients through technology. 
You hear these buzzwords like big data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence starting to be used in medicine. Have we yet seen the full extent of technological innovation possible in the healthcare industry? And what do you think is the next frontier? Uh, I, I don't think we have seen um, anywhere near the full extent of technological innovation possible in healthcare. I think we're just seeing uh, an early beginning of it. Um, there is tremendous potential for current technology in healthcare and for future technology. And I feel uh, there are a few areas where the impact will be high. Uh, first, and what comes to mind right now, just given, given that we're going through this COVID crisis, is the ability to deliver care remotely. I think that's going to be a huge um, innovation area um, in, in healthcare. It's, it's, it's happening now, and I think it will happen in bigger proportions and even more complex cases going into the future. I think that's a big place. The second area I feel, um, which is highly undertapped right now, which will see a lot of uh, technological uh, innovation being applied, is uh, personalized medicine. I think that's an area which um, is very important to effective patient care and treatment um, and just, just not leveraged enough. Um, and third, I always say uh, there is no end to innovation when it comes to devices and equipment, uh, both used by caregivers and patients. And I think um, nanotechnology and some other areas are only going to turbocharge those innovations, right? So I really feel we're in the early beginning of uh, innovation in healthcare as far as technology can sponsor it. And uh, we're going to see a lot more um, going, going into the next couple of decades. Some people characterize healthcare as being slow to adopt new technologies. Do you think that's true? And what are the barriers that have prevented innovation to really transform healthcare for patients? Um, you know, uh, maybe maybe we should look at technology innovation in, in two parts, uh, Shruti. One is, it's not that healthcare has not had innovation. If you think about uh, innovation in terms of clinical procedures, um, I mean, there has been huge progress made in the last couple of decades. Uh, you know, I've personally been through a couple of surgeries, and I know that um, even between the two surgeries I did, it was about 10 years difference. Uh, there was a big difference in how it was done uh, and the technology that was used. We we have seen robotic surgery come a long way now, um, which just wasn't there 20 years ago. Um, so I think uh, innovation in terms of clinical procedures has been happening in healthcare, especially in US. Um, I, I think what we are referring to here is more around uh, information sharing in healthcare, interfacing with patients and consumers, wellness, um, and then the the broader question that if we are so powerful clinically in U.S., why is our quality not as good as other countries uh, where which are not clinically as as advanced as U.S. Right. So I think those are the key issues and questions for me. Um, and I feel a lot of that is just to do with the fact that uh, the consumer, like you and I, haven't been in the center of healthcare. We've never really demanded a whole host of things. Um, but but now that you know. You may have heard this. the The new front door to healthcare is the mobile phone. That's the new front door. It's not the ER anymore. It's not your primary care anymore. So, with the phone becoming um, the smartphone and the app world becoming the front door, um, we as consumers are now pushing for innovation, um, and and that's why I think healthcare is having this big impact in terms of transformation today. It, it's just because of of 
um, <clears throat> huge amount of demand we are pressing on, on the industry to simplify interfaces with us, give us more transparency, improve the quality, uh, make it easy for me to share my information between providers. Um, I, I have, as a consumer, I've gotten used to that in other places, how I bank, how I shop, why not, uh, how I take care of myself, right? And so I think that's what's causing this, this, this wave of transformation. Um, and that will see its uh, its course for sure, and there will be great changes to come. So I'd love to talk to you about your experience as the founder of a business. How would you describe your experience of working with private equity investors, and what are the biggest advantages and drawbacks of having private equity in your business? You know, I, I, like I'll tell you, like many uh, entrepreneurs, uh, I have uh, learned uh, over time what what private equity truly means to a company. Um, for, for me, it's been very positive. Uh, for Emids, uh, it has been very positive uh, to have private equity partners. Uh, the first thing I would say is is that, like with anything in life, um, you have to choose the right partner. Uh, I think that's that's very important. So again, fortunately for us, we've made great choices so far. Um, you know, there are private equity institutions that are meant for a company and there are P institutions that are not meant for a company. And I think you just you just want to want to make sure that you uh, get a good match. And I think it's the same thing with private equity, too, as they look to invest in companies. I know that they also put in an effort to understand is this the right company for them and their DNA. And it's been very positive for Emids uh, and for me, really, in terms of building the business. The one advantage private equity investors have that typically an entrepreneur, at least a first generation entrepreneur like me, who's still in the first company that I started, does not have, is uh, what does it take to grow the company to five times, 10 times its size? Uh, a lot of P investors have seen that journey happen multiple times because they've held companies and grown them and sold them. So um, they, they have great hindsight. Um, they have very good foresight, right? Which uh, which an entrepreneur like me certainly um, misses, and so partnering with them accelerates the learning curve of the organization, right? So I think that's a huge positive. Now, in that positive, uh, you know, again, how it is done matters a lot. Uh, sometimes I think it's not managed well in some organizations, maybe where uh, that that foresight is is probably pushed down the organization a bit too hard because the organization also needs time to change um, into doing the right thing so that it can grow. Um, again, we've been very fortunate. I've always had PE partners who've been who've been patient, who've given their advice um, and also given me space to go make those changes and transform the company. So, uh, so the, the first area I think has been very helpful is simply in building a better business. Um, the second area I think has been helpful is in, in improving and in, in, in really uh, broadening the network um, of the company and of me as an individual. Private equities are very well connected um, and it's really helped in uh, the company's network expanding, our, our visibility expanding, uh, my personal network expanding. I think that's also been a big, big plus for us uh, with, with our private equity partners. Uh, and the third area where I think private equity uh, uh, investors have been very, very good for us is is strategic thinking and, and really maybe uh, in some ways broadening these strategic options available to us, right? If we were without a private equity investor, without the capital that they bring, the the strategic options available to us were there, but they were limited. I think with 
a well-capitalized uh, firm, the, the strategic options are many more um, and a lot of other things are possible. So I think these are the big advantages uh, that uh, EMIDS uh, has enjoyed with its uh, PE partners. From your perspective as a CEO of a portfolio company, what should private equity firms be aware of when they get involved in a business? What do you think really makes a private equity firm a good partner? See, I think uh, it's important to understand the gaps in the company. Uh, I think uh, a lot of private equity uh, institutions do have the capability to understand the gaps, but it's very important to understand the gaps the right way. Uh, so that would be step one. I think the hardest step is to know how to plug these gaps. Um, and, and that's where uh, I think some PEs do a great job and some may, maybe they struggle. Again, I've been fortunate. I've so far had partners who've, um, who've just, uh, I think we've made a choice as well, um, have been doing it the right way. It's a little bit of a push and pull. It's never one way. It's You can't just be advisory as a PE. If you're purely advisory, then... Uh, it's it's hard, so you sort of have to be sometimes uh, more prescriptive. Um, but if you're too prescriptive, then then you get then you run the risk of being too close uh, to to operations of the company, and you one could make mistakes because you know again the operations of the company, the business, the culture, those things have to be factored in into every change that you make in the company. So it's a little bit of a push and pull, a little bit of advisory, a little, little bit of prescriptive. Uh, but I think that. The tag teaming with the CEO is very, very crucial. Uh, I would say if there's one thing that uh, private equity must be absolutely sure of um, is that, yes, they feel they can absolutely partner with the CEO um, and sh- you know share in, in the growth of the company. So the CEO should have the flexibility to accept their ideas, but should also have the strength of character to push back on ideas that he or she feels won't work. Um, so I think the P should have a good good feeling about their ability to partner with the CEO. I think that's that's the most crucial thing. Everything else can can kind of work work out. So we talked about this idea previously that we're in the early stages of seeing how technology can transform healthcare and push the envelope on the healthcare experience. What role do you think private equity can play in the future of healthcare? Well, I think private equity can play a huge role in the future of healthcare. Um, the, the, the one thing that comes to mind is the innovation that's happening in healthcare uh, is, needs funding. I mean, it just needs funding. And uh, private equity, uh, based on the nature of their uh, model, uh, does that. So they are able to find great innovative teams and platforms and back them. Um, so I feel... You know, so, so so funding very strong, innovative ideas, teams, and platforms is, is something that private equity is doing. And there are so many stories of successes there. Um, so I certainly feel private equity can play a big role. The other place I think uh, private equity can play a role, and I and I see uh, and I see definitely my my investor New Mountain doing this, is looking for ideas that are uh, truly breakthrough in the industry. And how they can bring their multiple investments that they have in healthcare to come together to be innovative. So one is let's fund and invest and support a platform. But the next is, well, I have invested in these five platforms. How do I bring some of them together to create an uncommon value proposition 
That's really powerful for the industry. The world is experiencing an unprecedented global health crisis with the COVID-19 pandemic. How is EMIDS pivoting its business model to really respond to the crisis? Um, yes, this is, this is a, a, a very strange crisis to not only is it uh, unprecedented, but um, unlike 2001 or 2008, this is a health event. So uh, this crisis has healthcare industry at the center of the crisis. Um, one of the things we have, uh, we have done and are doing is rapidly making um, certain digital technologies available to our clients so they can get some help. Uh, for example, we, we launched uh, AI-enabled uh, conversational interface for our, for our clients who are overwhelmed with communication challenges with patients, with members, with, uh, with consumers and employees. And so we trained this uh, interface on COVID-related content. Uh, and it can, because it's AI-enabled, it can learn as well. And we launched it um, as, as a resource for our clients to rapidly integrate into their ecosystem so they can um, start, you know, having easier conversations um, and, and in- interact with their constituents in a, in a more seamless manner without, um, you know, they're just all facing significant o- overflow in communication right now. So this helps them manage that. Um, so we launched that uh, within a week of uh, the crisis really erupting here in U.S. Uh, we're looking at doing some other things in the next couple of weeks. So essentially what we're doing is really using our core strengths, which is digital technology engineering, to see if we can make tools available to our clients to help them get past this crisis. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I'd like to add that this episode was recorded in April of 2020, just as the COVID-19 crisis was really hitting the U.S. The AI-powered chat box discussed on the show is now an official product called Coracist, offered by Emits. I was struck by Saurabh's prediction that cell phones are the next frontier of medicine. There's a confusing and conflicting dynamic in the American healthcare system. The U.S. leads the world in clinical research and innovation, but our healthcare outcomes for patients often fall short. I'm fascinated to see if the cell phone will help make consumers the center of care and be a catalyst for making patients the center of the healthcare system. Join us next time as we continue the conversation with healthcare portfolio companies. We'll be interviewing Joshua Schultz, CEO of Cytel, a company dedicated to shaping the future of drug development. I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital.